Welcome to the Connected Insurance Podcast, presented by Agency Revolution. Listen to interviews with the most influential people in the insurance industry. Learn the most important strategies, tactics, trends, and challenges facing today's independent insurance agents and brokers. Subscribe today and get updates delivered right to your inbox. And now, without further delay, the Connected Insurance Podcast. Hello, everybody. Michael Jantz, co-founder of Agency Revolution, and delighted to welcome you to this podcast episode of the Connected Insurance Podcast presented by Agency Revolution, creators of Fuse. Fuse is the insurance marketing software that skyrockets retention, boosts policy per customer, makes your clients love your agency. Um, What more could you ask for? If you haven't done it lately, I will recommend... Um, hop on agencyrevolution.com, request a demo of the software that agents and brokers are raving about. Uh, speaking of raving about, um, I'm crazy about my podcast guest because I think he did a terrific job unpacking one of the big issues. Uh, it's a conversation I've had with my clients for a long time, and uh, Kabir uh, understands it better than I do. Um, the gold mine that is locked inside your book of business that gets revealed when you perform a, a fairly serious data analysis. And in this conversation, um, Kabir talks about some pretty sophisticated things like what happens when you combine the private data that you can extract from uh, your agency management system, for example, and combine it with, you've heard this term before, public data. Well, you get a lot of magic, and it really gives you a competitive edge. So I'm excited to um, invite you to this conversation with uh, my friend Kabir Saeed, founder and CEO of Enable, and longtime um, seasoned insurance professional. So one of those, um, building technology and delivering technology, uh, and really gets this industry. So uh, before I bring you into the conversation, a couple of things. I got lots, like hundreds um, of requests for my new toolkit on the self-scaling agency. Uh, I may have missed some people if I didn't get it to you. Uh, here's my pledge. This week, I'm, I'm real, I, I've expanded my support team, so I'm, I'm going to go through all those old emails and LinkedIn messages and reach out to everybody with a direct link to the self-scaling agency toolkit. Um, And then in a week or two, I'll have uh, a vanity URL that'll just get you there. Uh, Right now, the URL is too weird. So boom on that. And um, let's see what else Uh, before before I go um, and, and bring you into this conversation. Uh, my mastermind group, which is where I work with my clients as a group, guiding them each and every one to the next level, um, has a few openings. We've uh, moved our location, so we're no longer in the casino. We're not so crowded. Um, And uh, we meet three times a year if, um, as you think about preparing for the upcoming year, if growth is a high priority for you, and uh, participating in a group where people are really, truly committed to each other's success. If that stuff gets your juices going, then reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm Michael Jans, or email michael at michaeljans.com. 
Um, and uh, I'll tell you how we can, uh, I'll give you more information about it there. All righty, with that being said, it is uh, my uh, privilege to bring you into this conversation with Kabir. Kabir Syed, uh, good to see you again. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you? It's great to be here today with you. All right. Uh, well, I'm excited about this conversation because we're dealing with something that really matters. And I also think there's some mystery around this topic. The topic is data. All right. And, and I want to preface this for our listeners. Uh, typically, you say data and, and somebody's brain goes boring. Um, and yet, uh, I think what we're going to explore in this conversation, uh, Kabir, is uh, when we say, certainly when I say data, your brain goes exciting. And uh, I want to kind of explore like, hey, what's in there that um, is so rich with value? But before we do that, for people who don't know your story, and, and you have quite a story in this industry, um, unlike you know some previous podcast guests and insure tech startups who are bringing a solution in from outside, and they see that perspective. Yours is a very much an inside perspective on this industry. So, Kabir, your story very quickly, if you would, please. Ah, thank you. I'm happy to say that. Uh, first of all, I don't consider myself a technologist. I consider myself a broker because that's where I spend most, almost entire my entire life. And I started Johnson Higgins. I was the last employee of Johnson Higgins, January 1997. They were acquired in March by uh -huh. Marsh. So I moved over to Marsh. And the role was on data and analytics. That was the first foray of these large brokers. And I'm not, uh, so I, I don't know how to code. I don't know any of the programming languages. I'm not a good marketer. What I do know is I love diving into data. So I, I spent- I, I, I have a, I wrote this down from our previous conversation and I put it in quotes. Love data, not good with technology. <laughs> so, Which is what all brokers are, right? Love right. data and they may not recognize. And I'll get into the difference why right. we don't think of it as data. Okay. Um, so I spent 18 years, 19 years at Marsh in very different roles. And I, I learned a lot. It was a fantastic training ground mm -hmm. uh, for me uh, because data was new to them, how to use it. And insurance brokers, we as agency owners and brokers have an enormous amounts of data that nobody else has. And we just don't use it well, but we have enormous amounts of data. So I played with it around and then I left Marsh because I wanted to start a company. I actually wanted to do this for Marsh, but they didn't want to do it. Uh -huh. so I said, let's start a company. This was the idea that was given to Dan Glazier to say, I think we should do this for the rest of the insurance industry, which is offer analytics, make the path from broker to carrier easier. If you think about it, Marsh owns the first patent on connecting a one broker to multiple carriers. That's the first patent that was created. Uh, and then oh, when, when they uh, when was that patented? It was in two thousand and fourteen. Okay, okay, it's uh, relatively fresh. Uh huh. Yes, uh, and then I created the next patent, which was 
because Marshalls was a single broker to multiple carriers. I said, what happens if it's a marketplace, which means multiple brokers to multiple carriers or reinsurers or wholesalers? Because patents are very legal in the way they make claims. So that was the patent that risk match held. And that's what I had created. So I said, I set up this company called risk match so that I can offer the same level of services to brokers, what the large brokers had. It went very well. We were growing dramatically fast and Vodafone and Bain offered us a deal that was, uh, we were raising a series A and Mm -hmm. it seems much better than raising a series A. And my right, it took me three months to actually sign the LOI because I didn't want to sell. Oh, but the attractive part, because it's your baby, you want to grow it and you want to see where it goes. But what was attractive was brokers didn't want to do business with a small company. So they're like, well, we don't know if you'll be around. We are used to doing business with larger Mm -hmm. vendors, larger partners. Uh, So they didn't want to do business. So I said, well, here's Vodafone. They only have 20,000 brokers. I get access to all of that data so I can execute that faster. It didn't work out as I had imagined. So I said, here's your company. I'm going to leave. Right. We had differences in strategy and operations and what the direction of uh, this should be. Uh, They bought the company. It is theirs. I'm like, good luck with it. So I left and waited out my uh, non-compete. And I started Enable. I said, I think I know where the problem is. And I'm not going to talk about the company, but I was talking with the problem. The problem, I said, is we as an industry are spending money on tools. We do have the tools and we spend about two and a half percent of our revenue on technology tools, of which 80% goes to an AMS system, but we don't use many other tools. We use a CRM for Salesforce. We use, you know, HubSpot for marketing. We use LinkedIn Navigator. We use other things. However, what we, I recognized was when you get the tools, if you don't have process, and you don't have the data that is connected between tools, you're going to ask your producers, your CSRs, and your account managers to spend more time filling it in, which means you just added one more or 15 more tasks to somebody who was solely focused on generating revenue or placing business. So I said, we need to make sure the brokers know they can make more money with data. I can tell you, the top five, top 10 brokers make an egregious amount of money. Just using data. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a secret, right? It's right. not a secret. And the reason is our model, the way we make money in our industry is from a carrier. Is what? Yes, it's from a carrier, uh-huh. an insurer. Right. Because they pay you a commission. Now, if you, if you see, when we go and meet with carriers, we ask them, how much business have I done with you? Now, that doesn't sit very well in how you can do better, what you can do better, or, uh, you know, uh, am I getting less somewhere? Am I getting more somewhere? We don't know those things. So we are saying, can we use that data? So that's just on the carrier side. The second part we said is, if we have, I mean, look at all this insurance or any other companies. They're struggling to have clients, struggling to have revenue, struggling to have carrier relationship. We have all of this at this point as brokers, we have revenue, we have a margin, whatever the margin is, whether it's 20% or whether it's 40%. It's a very widespread. And this is by just not even using technology. This is by just doing the way we have done it forever. So I said, I'm going to make sure that the brokers have it and they own it. 
And what I mean by owning it is your data should be owned by you first. You can give it to whoever you want, but you need to have access to it. You need to know how to utilize it and you can decide who to give it to. Otherwise, I can tell you 95% of brokers or 99% of brokers today do not own their data. It's okay, owned by, you can... What's make the distinction there, Kabir, um, between owning data and not owning data? Okay. So a client gives you uh, a record or mm -hmm. it says, here's my policy, here's the name of the client, and you put in the uh, address. You put it into first where do you put it? You put it into an AMS. Go back and look at any of the AMS contracts. It says they own the data. Guaranteed. Got it. Now, you want to get your data back? It even gets better. You got to pay them money to actually get it back, or you can just print out a report for not free, but you pay between $125 and $150 per month per user. Mm -hmm. Now, that does. So, I'm going to say if you think you own your data, why are you paying money to get it back? <laughs> Somebody should pay you money to actually use the data. So, this is very reverse in our industry where the platforms own data, but the sources and originators of data don't own it or have access to it. So, when the transition is made from the platform owning the data to the broker or the agency owning the data, uh, then what's the consequence of that? What's the benefit of that? The consequence of that and the benefit of that is threefold. One is you get to first, it gives you insight. First, the insight into who you're dealing with and not an individual basis. Where's your niche? Is it in construction? Is it in uh, contractors? Is it in hog farms? Where is your niche? Where your revenue is coming from? Not just the revenue, average number of products you're selling. Think of as you run a business and that is not available to them. That's mm -hmm. insights on what the clients buy, what products they buy. Because we can sell more just within that same client base. We just don't do it. Because our designations and licenses are based on personal lines has a set of license. And then you have benefit licenses. Uh, when I say licenses, designations to sell a benefits policy. And then you have uh, you know the commercial lines. And they are generally different people who sell it. Uh -huh. So if I was selling right. benefits... Uh -huh. Right. Why do I really care about selling personal lines to the same client? But I'm like, you know, you're selling it to a client who is a company and you sold benefits, but they're people essentially. So why can't you sell personal lines to the same set of people? So instead of looking beyond that, we should also look within our own client base. So it gives you opportunity for that. The second part is if you think about who, how we make money is with a carrier. You will see in brokers, and I guarantee I'll bet $100 You'll see, you'll say, hey, I get 12% uh, uh, from this carrier. You go and say, it's not 12%. It's anywhere from 6% to 18%. You're like, well, I thought I had an agreement. Yes, but you never asked that. Because I remember when we were at Marsh, we would say to a carrier, you know, you're supposed to give a standard 15%. You're like, yeah, but you've got to ask for it. Now, imagine if you have to say to 4,000 people, every time you renew, you need to ask. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you ask, sometimes you don't. And since we are in a very relationship uh, driven industry with our carrier and with our clients, sometimes we don't ask our friends for that. Now, that is lost revenue. That's one. The second part of it is when you look at Insight and to say, there, there are not many brokers who use less than 250 carriers. Whether you're $4 million in revenue or you're $200 million in revenue, how are you going to get money if you're using 
200 carriers and then 50 wholesalers and intermediaries to say, I'll get 50%, 15% commission. People are shocked when we say to them, you use 200 carriers. They're like, that's not possible. I'm like, no, you do use 200 carriers because we don't have process control in how we build. We'll let people decide, each individual decide. I'm not saying that's good or bad, but knowing where you're placing and who you're placing with. Mm-hmm. If you have $200,000 across 50 carriers, you have no shot at negotiating, whether it's a claim or a commission. With them. So it's a question of, we keep saying relationship, but we don't utilize that relationship to make money. And, and I think you're implying that we don't sometimes know that much about the relationship. The broker or the agency doesn't necessarily really know the details. They know um, anecdotal um, evidence, right. right? Which is often wrong. You're absolutely right. And this is where I was going to say, okay. why do people don't think of data as exciting? Now, you're saying anecdotal, right? I, because we're considering different names for data. Mm-hmm. If you go to somebody and ask them, hey, I ha- I'm a, a hog farm or I'm a hospital, I need workers' comp. If I've done workers' comp before for hospitals, I automatically know that. Now, you may call it experience, you may call it intuition, you may call it all the deals they've done. For me, that is data. Data makes up those pieces of it that you know it. You may remember five of them, or you will remember ones which were bad and which ones which were good, but you don't remember the mass of everything. Right. It's like saying, right, you know, and I'm going to use an example where people say, hey, how's uh, when you were young, when you were dating, how was it? You remember the good ones and you remember the bad ones. You don't remember the, all the middle ones at all. It's very similar. The human mind tends to forget things which are, that don't stand out. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying that's what data means, showing you what you have and it adds to your experience. Sometimes it shocks you to say, I can't believe... I used a wholesaler for that, or I can't believe I didn't ask. Ah, that. yeah, okay. So, so I'm circling back. I've, I'm, st- I'm making. I, I take copious notes when I interview, right? So I've got you at three points, right? When you own the data, when a when a broker owns the data, uh, they can gain insight um, in on their book of business. They can gain insight on the relationship with their carriers and use that. Um, and often they'll discover that they have too many, that they're not consolidated, that they're using MGAs where they really could have a direct relationship with a carrier. Boom. Is there, I think you said there was a third point? Third point. Yes. So we pay the most amount in any brokerage firm or agency to a producer because we Mm -hmm. pay commission and then it's based on that. We make it very difficult for people to, because the product we are selling, we've got to be very honest with us. The product we are selling is generally the same whether I buy from Kabir or from John or from Heather. It doesn't really matter. Right. It's the same product, right. yeah. which means I have to distinguish why from me. Why, why do you want to buy from Kabir or from John or from somebody else? Uh-huh. So the point I'm trying to make is People have used, so you meet somebody in a bar or you meet somebody on a golf course. That's why our, our relationship building takes a little bit of time. They have to use LinkedIn Navigator. Then, then they Google somebody and find out the news about the company. Then they use InfoUSA and then they use Zywave or 5500. Think of what we are asking a producer to do. We are saying, I need you to research and spend all of this money across so many different touch points 
and then go and say, I know your company and this is what we can do. Okay. So the part that we are trying to take out or we are trying to say is, Kabir may be good at researching, may not be good at talking, or Kabir may be good at talking and playing golf, but may not be good at researching. Do you really want to leave it up to each individual who is different for doing the same set of basic tasks that you set it up? So you're, I think you're talking now about um, not only like owning your own private data, right? All, all the data in terms of relationships with your carriers, your relationships with your uh, customers, and then also probably data in terms of the performance, internal performance of producers or closers, even maybe, you know, account executives, right? Yes. But there's but another, there's, to... a, there's another part of the recipe. There's another ingredient to this recipe that I, I think you're talking about, which is mixing in public data. Yes. Which facilitates because the sales and marketing sales. process. Okay. Right. So I'm not, I'm, we are not, I'm not saying we are going to replace Salesforce. No, we want to enhance Salesforce because uh -huh. Salesforce is a tool for process control. It's not a tool to generate sales. We've got to be very upfront, right? HubSpot is a tool to send marketing details, but somebody has to do that work. So imagine asking an A-type personality to say, I need you to go and fill in every detail of uh, into Salesforce. That's why you have garbage, which is like, I know the name of the person I'm talking to. I know the name of the company. I don't care about what industry they are in. We should be asking this question. And we ask the same set of questions with our clients. So when I say public data, what we're saying is, when I get, I fill in a form that a broker sends in, whether it's for travelers or Chubb or anywhere else, it's a PDF form or maybe it's a digital form. I have to fill in as a user. I'm like, for God's sake, if you're going to get a 17% or 15% commission, can you not just type in the name of the company if you send me a link or you send me a PDF form? And the forms seem to have been copied like a million times over. So it doesn't look good. So the experience that a buyer of insurance gets is, oh, I'm number 1.1 million using mm -hmm. this form. Right. And they take the same form and then send it off. Now, here's where the problem comes. So I fill it in. You ask me, hey, how many uh, uh, sprinklers do I have? I'm like, let me look at my house. I have 12 sprinklers. Great. Now, we send it off. It's not right or wrong. Carriers know that brokers do not have data integrity. So they ah. actually go and buy to say, are you saying the truth or not? Okay. So you see where we've already yes. started a relationship where we said, I want a 15%, but I'm going to make the client or the prospect fill in all of this information. And then I'm going to send it to my partner whose product I'm selling. And they know that I don't do it right. So they're going to validate what I've sent. And oh, by the way, all of that data is not yours. And you don't even have it in your system because it is sitting in a form. And the carrier now owns that data and has it. You don't. So next time you want to sell, and if it's the same property, you actually have no idea. On renewal, you ask the same question. How annoying is it to write the same thing over and over again? Because I asked my broker, I didn't change anything. Why don't you just send the same thing in? Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't have that form. It's last year's form. So we can't even do that. So the point I'm trying to make is, can we, all of this is available. The only certain parts, most of the data is public. And whether it's right or wrong is irrelevant because what we get from the public markets is the same thing that the carrier gets. Right. 
So let us all be consistently wrong in whatever we are doing or right, whichever way mm -hmm. it is, because it's analyzed by the data. But make it easier for your prospect. Make it easier for your carrier. And that's what we want to focus on. So, so that's what uh, makes it sticky. Uh-huh. All right. So uh, real-life question for you, Kabir. Um, if, if we can take this from the theoretical to the practical. Um, so what's your experience? What, what do brokers tell you when, when this transition is made in, you know, with their book of business or with their agency? What's the aha that they share with you? What difference, first, what difference yeah. does it make? First point they get, get to is, I did not know I had so many clients as offices of doctors. I'm like, how do you not know that? You're like, well, I, I think of clients as the bigger clients or yeah. the big uh, one policy that I've right. sold. But I didn't know if I had, I'm just, if I had $2,000 clients and I had 50 of them, did not know I had 50 of these. I'm like, you know, you have 50 of these and there are a thousand more around you. Right. So maybe that is your niche that you didn't know. Mm -hmm. The second part that they see is, I didn't know I was dealing with this many carriers. And why are we even using this guy? I'm like, well, I don't know the answer to that, but I'm just showing you that you are using it. And it's been there for five years, not just one year. It's been there for five years. Right. So either you can take the relationship to the next stage, or you can say, this is not the place for me to do it. Now, certain carriers you have to use because mm -hmm. they have a, a, a niche product, but not everything else. Do you need Bob from the 230 carriers who do Bob? Do you really want to do business with uh, 230 carriers for Bob? No. Pick five, pick 10, pick some number. And you are the best position to do that, but we are just giving you the insight. And second part is if we are giving certain sets of accounts to carrier, then make sure you're getting what you get. Because the first thing, uh, you know, we have brokers or their brokers, uh, actually majority of brokers, they'll say, hey, we got a $2 million check from Chuck. I'm like, what is the commission? I'm like, uh, and they're like, oh, we don't know. It was direct bill. So they don't even know how much they're supposed to get. They know it was a standard contract of whether it's six or 10 the first year and the next year, but they mm -hmm. don't track it into it. Yeah. So that's one. And the second part, part is, you know, if you know you're doing business with doctors and lawyers and you place it with chubs or travelers, the next time I can use your own data and say, if it comes up, here's uh, who you should place it with. Because that insight is in your data. You have a relationship with the client, with the carrier and for the product line. Let's just use that because that's exactly what wholesalers do, whether it's uh, Amvents or others. It's they know one individual underwriter who's very good and we have used them and they use that over and over and over again. Uh, I, I think I often find that um, clients are wrong. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm being fairly blunt about this, but, you know, uh, um, I, not not. Um, wrong, not stupid. Okay, they just they don't have access to the data, right? And so uh, I, I, and and I'm not a I'm not a data scientist, but I know the value from a marketing point of view, from a revenue generating point of view. I know the data of having a little bit of I know the the value of having a little bit of intelligence on your book of business, and I often find that when clients run even um, a sometimes the simplest of analyses, they're surprised to discover that, for example, that the top 5% of their customer base 
delivers so much value or the yeah. top 10 percent. Um, but they're also often surprised that the bottom, let's say 20 percent, um, uh, extracts so much value, yeah. right? It, you know, there's a whale curve, the uh, economists call it, where, you know, of course, I mean, it's a generalization, but it's, it's often said that the top 20% of a, of a client base delivers 150 to 180% of the profit, and the middle 60% is more or less break even, and the bottom 20% just sucks out. <laughs> Uh, you know, 50 or 80 percent of the profit. Um, that, that's, you know, those kind of insights are game changers. It is. And many brokers don't know about that. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying it's going to dramatically change your life. It's going to change where you focus and where you put money on. Right. So if you're getting $2,050 policies, you better have a very good system that actually pushes it through because every policy you add, and if you have a very manual process, right? just imagine the resources that you, and you're going to add to that, but un, it's unnecessary to add to that. You might look for a speedier solution for it, not have it touched by hand. There are certain things you need to touch by hand, and there are certain things you need to ask your people. Don't ask them, you know, if you uh, come to me and say, don't ask a producer or an account manager, um, what is the sales of this company? What's the revenue of this company? What's the employees? They don't care about it because they're looking at, I want to sell Bob and I want to sell uh, auto. I want to sell X, Y, Z. A great question, right? right uh, a right. great uh, uh, example here. In the US today, you can pretty much buy information on where people live and what cars they have. It, it, it's available, right? We, we have it. That's what the carrier is used to it. And we just buy it to say it's a prospect. Fill up the form for the prospect. So mm -hmm. wouldn't it be nice when you get a form that says, Michael, here's your home address. Here's what the uh, house is worth. Here's the roof address and you know all the things that are related to it. Because how do you think the carrier is actually doing the analysis just by buying the same data? <laughs> like, Let's just buy the data and then yeah. send it to the client. They feel much happier about it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Kabir, talk to me a little, talk to us about Enable. All right. So, so, so you're bringing a solution, and um, it's um, it's it's real world, and it's street smart, right? Um, and uh, so, you know, uh, to, just to put this into perspective, uh, I, I know that you've at least secured seed funding from Vine Ventures. Am I right about that? Yes. Okay. Um, and what, somewhere around forty employees on the team right now. Okay. Um, so what's your vision? I want to help brokers realize that they can be so much better for their clients and for their employees by just utilizing what they have. My goal is to not just create proprietary products. There's some things which are other people do much better. Like I don't want to create a, a CRM. There are right. other CRMs. I want to push the right data for it. I don't want people to type in things. We can buy the data and push, push it for it. And we're saying we will build the platform based on what data we have and partner with others. Use this for HubSpot marketing. Use this for uh, Salesforce. Use this for SEMC. Whether we are, you want certificates of insurance, whether you want uh, a placement engine, we don't want to build it. Use which one you want. Because mm -hmm. it takes a lot of, it takes a whole village to get this insurance thing going. 
from TPAs to brokers to CSRs to I mean, think of the number of things, carriers. Right, right, right. They're like, not one company can do that. But let's just partner so that we have and it moves data between those people. Otherwise, you're going to send paper documents over and over again. That is reeky. So think of the cost that adds to every uh, partner in the value chain. You do it on paper, the producer, and then somebody types it into the traveler's portal, and that's on one person. And then travelers takes it and validates it. That's another set of people. And then you get it back through events, and then you push it back through a messaging, and then you uh, correct it. I'm like, why can't we just do it from the start? So what I'm trying to do is, I'm trying to say, our goal is to say, don't get tools first. Get the tools, but get data right, and then the data will flow through the tools and make tasks easier, richer, and margin efficient. Uh-huh. And what I mean by that is, if you have your data right, not what you put in your AMS, because you're putting a lot of stuff in AMS which is wrong, and it has to be corrected, and that's why they say, hey, this analytic engine that I use, it has all crap uh, KPIs. Well, because what you put in is crap, so let's just correct that. So that's the first part. The second part, uh, what we're trying to say is, let's change the sequence in the process. Not change the process, sequence. So what I mean by that is, the way we do business today is, I as a producer will go after a prospect for six months. I'll send them emails, I'll take them out for lunch or drinks or golf, I play with them and I finally get a BOR. After BOR, I'll say, here are the five carriers I have to send to. So here are the form for the five carriers. And then I get a code back after two weeks and I say, here's good, bad and ugly and then we go with one. And my point is, let's do the exact same thing, just change the sequence step, which is like, let's figure out who we want to go to and we share, I know if I'm going to a hospital or if I'm doing doctor's office, I'll sell these four products. Who are the five, 10 carriers I'm going to go to? Give them that list because you anyway are going to do business with them. So let's give them that list and say, yeah. give me a price because this is where I'm going. Uh-huh. And it does two things. And you know, many brokers don't recognize this. Once you tell a carrier, hey, I'm going to do business with this firm and I'm, this is my prospect. They reserve it so they don't accept it from some other broker. Why not use that loophole, that reserving system? That's exactly what wholesalers do today. Brokers just don't do it. They wait till the end. And once I'm saying, just change the sequence. And that way you get a price faster. They are a partner with you and they pay you more. It's a win all for all three participants, the client, you and the carrier. I want to circle quickly back to something you said a few minutes ago about margins, because this is a conversation you and I had previously. Uh, You you had said uh, uh, typically we'll see margins at 20% or 30%, but I I have a note from our previous conversation, Kabir, where you said, and I put it in bold, the margin should be 40%. Um, So I, I think you're making an argument that access to data and the facilitation of data in the um, insurance process, th- it increases an efficiency that would that that should increase an agency's cash flow, their margins. Absolutely, and here's why: where okay. is the biggest portion of our uh, costs in an agency? It's essentially people. It's not technology. It's people. It's people, right? Now, it, it's people. Right? Yeah, and you're asking people to do tasks which are related to the process, not to generating more revenue, just to place it and service it. 
right? So let's just take that. Mm -hmm. And we add, if I add 50 more clients, which means I have to add two more producers and they cost X and they take away X. And then to service those 50 more clients that I get in, that the producer is getting in, I have to add five more people because our process is slightly different. So which means I'm just going to increase. So increasing sales is not going to solve your problem because you will increase your expenses also with it. Right. Unless you tweak the process a little bit. Uh -huh. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. And that comes from automating certain parts. I'm not saying lay off people. I'm just saying use people for what you intend them to do, not to come and do paperwork. So let's use people because the tools, this is not rocket science. Insurance is one place where you don't have to generate demand. You just have to be very efficient at capturing the demand that is already there. Why Kabir versus Michael? Because the product is the same. At some point, the customer is going to say, I have a relationship with Michael, but you know, it is easier for me to do business with somebody else because that's how I access Michael. How do I, what Michael asks of me, you're not paying attention to those things. Mm -hmm. I'm saying use technology or data to actually make that relationship more sticky so that they don't, because the product is the same. All we're doing is making it easy by giving them your client an insight, by making sure the carrier you deal with has easier access and knows that you will place XYZ set of clients. That makes it easier. And that's where your margin goes up. By right. reducing people for the task and putting more people on the front end. Why is this black box the same for the last hundred years? And actually the black box of tasks that we do has just increased. Because remember, we have more systems now. Hey, Kabir, you have to put it into CRM. And oh, Kabir, from the CRM, you have to put it into AMS. Oh, after AMS, you have to create a PDF and send, uh, put it in a card form and send it off to a carrier. So think of all of those things. Earlier, it was one person did it. It was one way of doing it. Now we have multiple systems that we are tracking. Because we assume tools will make us better. You know, data makes you better and tools use data to make you better. I've got, I've got one, probably my last question for you, because I think this is where it's going. All right, so you've described an industry that's been the same for 100 years, right, in some regards. I mean, yeah. c clearly there's a lot of change going on, a lot of pressure for change going on. Yeah. Uh, but yes, indeed, uh, there's some things that, uh, uh, like, you know, this is an industry, when you think about insurance, it's, you know, one way to look at it, it's just data. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's just information um, that gets passed back and forth, sometimes in very clumsy ways. And so I, I sense that you have a, a vision for what this industry could be like. So here's my question. You know, let's, let's, uh, I don't want to go 10 years from now. Okay. I tend to focus like 24 to 36 months from now. Maybe a bit of a dream, but what, what's your dream? of what this industry could be like? That's my first question. And, I'll, and I'll, the, the follow-up question will be, what should the leaders of the industry, the principals of independent insurance agencies, what should they be doing now to help uh, prepare for and maybe even create that better future? So number one, what, what is your vision? What, what can this be like in two or three years from now? Two to three years from now, a majority of things are not going to change dramatically because it takes time. So let's just be honest about that. 
What I would like is for them to start from the basics to say, what do I have and how can I make more from what I have? Very basic question. Not asking you to invest more, not asking you to buy new tools, not that. Mm-hmm. Freeze the tool a part of it. Focus on what you have and how can I make more from what I have? And for that, if 300 of the 33,000 do it, I would be very happy. That's uh-huh. 1%. 1%. <laughs> right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, so that's the first part. That's my vision to say, if I can help 300 to maybe 400, that is a dramatic change. I've achieved what I have wanted to do. Because you can't change everybody. It's like saying you drink coffee in the morning and you have a coffee, cup of coffee. I'm saying, no, I think you should drink tea. It's healthier. It's not going to happen overnight. So that's why the education part for us, because we're not selling a tool. So that's one part. What do we need to prepare for is only if you're adamant on saying, I want change, make the change in how you make your clients stickier, make their lives easier, that they respect your, uh, not just the relationship, they respect the advice, but the way they access it and the way you give it. And uh, I'm going to show you an example. I use brokers for my personal lines and for the company. The best broker, and it doesn't exist today, the best broker was this one. I got a, a stewardship report on my personal lines and look at the number of pages. They gave me, here's your, um, here's all your vehicles. Here's what we do for your general liability, for your workers' comp, and all of those things. Right. And here are the carriers, what is cost from today versus yesterday versus last year versus things like that. Today, I want to go and I use a very large broker uh, today and they don't give me this. Now, the broker that I just showed you, Crystal and Company, was an independent agent who did that because they liked the relationship, they invested in the relationship. It might be paper-based, but it is still very good. If I want to ask, hey, uh, what's the win number on my car and uh, what's the uh, uh, XYZ on the car, I have to now log into the CHUP portal because my broker says, oh, we don't have a portal, you should log into the CHUP portal. And my question was, then why do I need you? Because I can go directly to Chubb if you're yeah. telling me, why do I need you? You're just making yourself replaceable. Because you didn't design the program. You just put in the Chubb master class or what masterpiece program. Mm-hmm. So let's not make ourselves replaceable. We are going to make ourselves invaluable by saying, because there was no advice for this, right? The advice was you should go with Chubb. I'm like, I've already had Chubb for 20 years, so it doesn't really matter. The advice was, should I get a million dollars versus $5 million uh, um, GL? That, that was the advice. Well, do you need to make 15% on that advice? I don't think so, because I could have looked up any report from any broker and said, I think I need X, Y, and Z. So I'm saying, make your advice easier to access. Make uh, what is important to the person, like the insured, easier to access, to get to and say, you need to think of this. Don't just sell a product. You need to buy this because there are people like you who buy this. Your iPhone today says, hey, here are compromise uh, 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 passwords. Mm-hmm. I mean, the iPhone says that. It was not the job of the iPhone to do it, right? Right. But they are going ahead and saying, we found, because I'm sure all of, whether it's uh, Apple or Samsung or any Android, has to spend money to buy the data to say, your uh, uh password has been compromised because that doesn't come free. Mm -hmm. Now you see why they're doing it to say is I want to protect and I've added one more service where you're going to rely on me because you're helping me protect my data. Right. You're helping me protect. You see, they're going far beyond than saying you have a device. Now, good luck to you. 
Yeah, use the rewards. Let's go beyond from just doing, I placed your insurance and that's all I'm good for. I'm like, no. Then they're going to find an alternative to you as a broker. Maybe a different broker, maybe a different Kabir. So let's go beyond. And that's my intention to say, go beyond. Very uh, uh, easy example. Got it. The data on, if you have a house, you'll get an alert from Chubb or your carrier. Hey, there's a thunderstorm or something else that's coming. Mm -hmm. You know, that is free. Right. Uh, the US uh, agency gives it out free. You get it on your phone. Mm -hmm. I don't get it from my broker. I'm like, why not? It's free data. It's like, well, why do we need to do that? I'm like, because you're my broker, right? What is your role? Is your role only to just place? Or your role is to help me avoid the loss. You see where there's a difference. Right. right. Okay. So that's a huge distinction, right? It's it's very big it's, distinction. Yeah. Very. And, and um, I mean, you're certainly. I've I've been hearing that a lot from guests, particularly thought leaders looking at this industry, seeing that the role of the agent or the broker is, and to some extent needs to, from a competitive point of view, um, transitioning from mere placement to ultimately uh, prevention, right? I mean, protection yes. through prevention, not just protection through insurance. Right, and that's a very big philosophical change. Yeah. And that's the point I'm trying to make. Forget right about the tools. Philosophy, you have to change principle-wise to say, ah. I'm not just as a placer of insurance, I'm more a trusted advisor. Don't just say I'm a trusted advisor and not do things. <laughs> because my iPhone is my trusted device because it's telling me multiple things. Oh gosh, we, we can't just download the logo and, and, and uh, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, Kabir, um, your solution, Enable, is um, agnostic uh, in terms of uh, commercial lines or personal lines. Am I right about that? Okay. So um, if, if a listener wants to learn more, so, and I understand, um, you know, like most, Insure techs, you can deliver a demo and people can see it and, you know, get a sense of what it can do. Um, I've had conversations. In fact, I think it was Ryan Deeds who put us together and he's on your team now. He's been a guest on this show before. Um, so if people want to learn more and maybe just they want to see it. Okay. And maybe get an insight on how this can do what, you know, what Kabir is making big promises. Let me see how he can deliver on those promises. <laughs> what should they do? How can they find out more? Uh, we, are, we are putting in a lot more of videos that show what you can do. Mm -hmm. We're going to have webinars on it. So we're right. self -serve, right? Mm -hmm. The way I'm telling brokers, I should do the same thing. Otherwise, I don't want to be a thought leader. I want to lead by example. Because there are so many thought leaders in our industry. I'm like, well, we should start a company to do it, to help people. So I would rather do that. So I'm saying, let's show them here are three ways to make money. Here are three ways to make money cheaper. Mm -hmm. Three ways to make money faster. Here's three ways to place uh, or find out about how to prospect and what do you do with it or negotiate with a carrier. So we are putting in a lot more videos online to do that. So that's first. But philosophically, I say you need to have that in your head or in, in your principle to say, I want to, whether I want to sell out or I want to, as a company, grow for my employees. I have to do this because it makes me a better company, a better uh, uh, broker and margin. It has to be all three because otherwise you can grow the margin in a variety of ways. Financial engineering is most is what most people first think of, mm -hmm. but that only gets you so far. All right. 
And uh, and so your website is, uh, um, as I recall, enable.com? Enable.com. Enable.com. And enable is spelled... Yeah, we had to uh, change the word. E-N-N-A-B-L. That's right. No E at the end. Got it. All right. There's no E at the end. Double N and no E. Double N and no E. Um, Kabir? Uh, as always, uh, it's been a pleasure. I, I uh, wish you the best of luck and appreciate you uh, spending time with us today. Thank no, you. Thank you. you know, uh, I missed being with brokers. I, I always say I was at Sunderbar and I was telling, you know, this is so good to be back uh, <laughs> because people understand that. And ultimately, I know why this is a relationship business, because you as a person would like to be valued to the next person. Yeah, that's what we do as brokers. Right on. All right. Kabir, until next Thank time. You Thank much, you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. It's been my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Connected Insurance Podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share it with your peers and colleagues. Explore the Connected Insurance family of resources for insurance agents and brokers by visiting agencyrevolution.com and clicking media. Subscribe and get updates delivered right to your inbox.